Jesus loves me. Jesus died for me. Jesus rose from the dead for me. I'm going to live with Jesus forever. These statements are true. If we were raised in a Christian family, we probably were taught this truth from our earliest days of life. As we just sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Absolutely. Amen. In a culture that often focuses on the individual, it is not difficult to orient our attention on Jesus toward ourselves. But we are not alone in this world. Our global human population has now passed the 8 billion mark. We have never had so many people living on our planet, which means that we have never been challenged to share the finite resources of this world with so many other living creatures, human and non-human alike. What does the first coming of God in the person of Jesus Christ mean beyond, beyond my own salvation? The writer of the Gospel of John has insights to share with us this morning. The Gospel of John is a unique recollection concerning Jesus that is concerned more about the theological significance of his presence in our world than sharing a historical biography. Chapter 1, verse 1 gives us our first clue. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is no ordinary person. In the midst of the season of Christmas, this is an important point to remember. Throughout Christmas, we celebrate the arrival of the infant Jesus. He's cute. He's cuddly, right? As, as is the nature of newborns. We have one near the rear of the sanctuary. You may want to greet later today. Infants are precious, and they're vulnerable. The Gospel writer reminds us, though, that he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. That's from chapter 1 in John, verses 2 to 4. The person who occupies the cradle of Mary and Joseph is nothing less than an expression of the holy triune God. In fact, the one who now relies on Mary and Joseph for food, shelter, and safety is the one who has existed for all time and who is the creator of life, light, and all things. The Gospel writer underscores the immense love God has for humanity to choose 
to experience the fullness of life in our world, to know firsthand what it means to be human, and then to be subject to, subject to those whom God created, to risk both acceptance and rejection. The Gospel of John was published near the end of the first century, 60 or so years after the ascension of Jesus. John is written in a more sermonic literary style in order to communicate the revelation of Jesus Christ to non-Jews throughout the Roman Empire of that day. Greek culture permeated Roman life in the days of Jesus. Roman understandings of trade, administration, art, literature, architecture, religion, and philosophy were built upon Greek interpretations and practices. The Gospel of John was written in Greek and reflects Greco-Roman understandings. For example, in this first chapter, John refers to Jesus as the Logos, which is the Greek word for word. In Jewish thinking, God spoke all creation into being. We remember that from Genesis chapter 1. So connecting Jesus to the word of God had a powerful precedent. In Greek thinking, logos is also a reference to reason or order. Reason and order were connected to the mind of God in Greek thinking and were a gift, a gift to humanity to help us make sense of living in this world. Jesus is the source for reason. Jesus is the source for life. John recognized that the message of Jesus was spreading rapidly among non-Jews by the end of that first century. He sought to relate the significance of the life and work of Jesus to those beyond Judaism in language and ideas that would be meaningful to them. The Gospel of John is a contextualized expression of truth concerning Jesus beyond the audience, that Jewish audience of the chosen ones. John's witness challenges us to be conscious of the fact that the person of Jesus impacts more than me and mine. And if Jesus is significant for more than just me and mine, how might we need to adjust our attitude and actions toward others in this larger creation. Could you bring up my first title slide, just the, with the name? Perfect, thanks. In thinking of the incarnation, or that first coming of Jesus, I find visual art to be a helpful catalyst for expanding understanding. <laughs> I grew up with a particular image of Jesus that was especially popular in covenant churches from about 1940 forward. 
I'm pretty sure some of you are going to recognize this image. Yes? Let's cue up the first. Yes, right? It's our friend. Warner Solomon was a Chicago-based commercial artist who happened to be a member of Edgewater Covenant Church. In 1923, he was appointed art director of the newly launched monthly denominational magazine, The Covenant Companion. In 1924, he produced a charcoal rendering of Jesus. That's the image on the right, upper right. And he titled this Son of Man. The rendering was especially popular. If I remember right, there were so many requests to headquarters that they did uh, a print run of 9,000 copies of that charcoal print and then distributed them as people requested them, as the readers wrote in. By 1940, Solomon painted an oil version of the drawing. That's the image on the left. That's the one that I think has been present in every covenant church I have ever been in, in the East Coast, the Midwest, the Pacific Northwest, and the West Coast. <laughs> it is ubiquitous. This oil version was licensed in distribution through Creeble and Bates, later Warner Press. By the end of the 20th century, it is estimated that one half billion copies of that image are floating around our planet. Lots of people have seen this picture of Jesus. It is a very Scandinavian, Germanic rendering of Jesus. Versions that I have seen, if you look close, he even has blue eyes, just like me. It's perfect. <laughs> well, this image may be especially comforting and, per and personalized as an image of Jesus, especially for those of Northern European descent. Is this really likely to have been the appearance of a first century Palestinian Jew? You think? This guy? Maybe, maybe not. Could you cue the second image, please? For the December 2002 issue of Popular Mechanics Magazine, not necessarily known for its religious content, however, <laughs> it, it, it did this. The publishers commissioned an archaeologist and forensic artist to examine remains of first century Palestinian males and model a likely example of what might have been the physical appearance of Jesus. They emerged with a computer-generated illustration, what you see here on the right, featuring a typical uh, uh, Palestinian male with a broad peasant's face, dark olive skin, short curly hair, and prominent nose. They estimate that he would have stood about five foot, one inches tall, and weighed about 110 pounds. Is that who you're expecting to meet in the kingdom to come? We may all be a little surprised. Now the publishers recognize that this is not a portrait of Jesus, okay? They know that. But might not this rendering be closer anthropologically and culturally to the actual appearance of a first century 
Palestinian Jew. And just as there are many uh, who could identify with a Northern European vision of Jesus, I believe there are many with roots in the Middle Eastern geographic region of our world who could identify with a Jesus who looks much more like this and much more like them. Next image, please. Would it surprise you to learn that this phenomenon of rendering Jesus like us is replicated around the world today? Hei Ki is an artist and professor at Nanjing Union Theological Seminary in mainland China. In 1998, he released The Nativity, that's this image here, a painting based on Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20, remembering the first coming of Jesus and the witness of the shepherds. Jesus is featured on the, or, I'm sorry, Joseph is featured on the left side uh, of, the, of the image holding a lamp. Mary and Jesus are just in front of him. The star is adjacent to Mary's head next to the animals in the background. A representative of the angels hovers over the scene with the shepherds on the right paying homage to his arrival and the sheep represented beneath the scene. A contemporary abstracted style of design is used featuring bright and deep colors. Next image, please. Mexican-born artist and priest Fernando Arizzi served Holy Family Church in Chicago for nearly 20 years. He was especially aware of the significance of the first coming of Jesus for those from Hispanic and African ethnic communities. Incarnation is the painting you see on the screen. Incarnation was painted in 1989 and is an example of his Christological understanding in light of the historical African-American experience. A classic symbol representing God the Father, that's the hand at the top of the painting, is found with ascending gesture immediately above the Christ figure. Jesus, the figure with the nimbus or halo just below the hand is descending to the earth. People of African descent from various time periods are organized beneath Jesus in a wide arc. On the middle and lower left are figures representing Zulu tribal leaders. They are honoring God. Just to the right of these figures and at the center bottom are people brought against their will to the United States as slaves. On the bottom right are descendants of those who were enslaved, but who have achieved an increased level of civil rights. And on the middle right are a line of those who have already gone on to be with God following death. All of these figures, all of these people are depicted as being loved by God and honoring God, especially in Jesus Christ. I think it's important for us to remember that a primary reason why Jesus had to come and die on our behalf is because of the sins 
of those who oppress and abuse others. That's why he came. That's why he died. Those of African descent are especially aware of this truth and of the healing and reconciliation that can only be achieved with the intervention of Jesus Christ. And last image, please. I have included one final image simply because I think it's really fun. In Christ and the Fisherman, Kusudi Ayarda remembers the down-to-earth quality of Jesus' presence in his first coming. Here, Jesus is depicted in ordinary clothes among ordinary fishermen, distinguished only perhaps by his choice of yellow, trendy sunglasses. I think they are pretty fun. We are reminded that Jesus entered our world at a particular time in a particular place and wanted to relate to us on the most basic of human levels. What does the first coming of God in the person of Jesus Christ mean beyond salvation for me? A virtue of imagining Jesus through the eyes of others is to remember that Jesus did not come to our world just for me and mine. The community of the church, the body of Christ, has no single ethnic identity and no national boundaries. That's something I think we really need to remember in this day at that time. The community of the church has no single ethnic identity and no national boundaries. As we remember and celebrate the first coming of Jesus in this new year, we need to remember the inclusivity of his mission and the expansiveness of the kingdom of God. All through Advent, do you remember how we've been hearing the witness of those who are on the margins, right? The women who are on the margins, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba. How did their voices get preserved? They were not well thought of as women and as followers of God, except perhaps by God, and by God lifting their voices up, working through them, people who were not honored in their own day and time. We need to remember that, that God continues to work through people like that in our midst all the time. God's children live in all countries of our world. In applying the understanding we just read in John, it is no less than Jesus himself, who is the creator of all peoples, all peoples in our entire creation. All of this world is loved by God. All of this world has been redeemed through Christ. All of this world is to be tended and treasured. Challenges for us from this text in the new year include at least these three. First, acknowledging that Jesus himself shared in the creation of all peoples and all life in our world, sacrificed his life to reconcile all things, human and non-human, to God, 
and initiated restoration of our world, a process that all of us who are here are invited to participate in through our daily activities, whether they be compensated or uncompensated. There is work to be done to bring that reconciliation into our world and to work toward creation's restoration. Second, recognizing the image of God present in every human person without regard for ethnicity, gender identity, political affiliation, economic achievement, or social standing, and allow this divine kinship to influence how we talk about each other. What do we say? How do we caricature? What do we imagine to be true about the people around us? And how do we communicate that? How should we talk about and relate to each other? Third, stewarding, which includes equity in sharing, something that those of us who live in the United States need to get a little better about. We use more than our fair share of natural resources, I'm just saying, and produce an awful lot of waste, much of which can be absorbed, but not everything, into the creation. We need to get serious about stewardship as people of God, as followers of Christ. We need to be thinking about treasuring, which includes preserving the beauty of the creation around us. That is a godly task that can be done through compensated and uncompensated work and celebrate, celebrate our remarkable human and non-human creation. We can do that every day. None of us can fulfill all of these expectations alone. We absolutely need to coordinate and cooperate with others from within our community, within our nation, and around the world to more completely pursue God's expectations for all of us. Our lives are absolutely communal and only in pursuit of sustainable community through listening to, learning from, and working with others will we grow into the joy of the kingdom of God that Jesus has set before us. Amen.